0: Hello,
1: everybody. This is Giuseppe Filardo speaking from Bologna, Italy. I'd like to thank ISACOS for sponsoring this podcast, as well as ICRS, the International Cartilage Regeneration and Joint Preservation Society, and Springer for their support to the project that led to our book, Orthobiologics, Injectable Therapies for the Musculoskeletal System. Briefly about me. I'm a professor at the Faculty of Biomedical Sciences and Head of Clinical Research in Lugano, Switzerland, and Senior Research Advisor for the Applied and Translational Research Center at the ritz orto Institute in Bologna, Italy. My research activities focus on the study of orthobiologics, of course, (laughs) particularly the development of minimally invasive treatments, so I was really happy to be invited to work on this book with some of the main opinion leaders of the field. So again, a big thanks to Isaacos, SRS, Springer, and to my co-editors, who I'm going to introduce to you. The editors with me are Bert Manderbaum, George Muschler, Scott Rodio, and Norimaza Nakamura. And in this podcast, we are going to know them better. But first, let me say a few words about this book. Well, the first thing I will say is that when we were discussing how to make this book, we wondered at what perspective to give. We realized that there are several books talking about scaffolds, a surgical application of regenerative approaches, but the area that is experiencing the fastest growth is now the one focusing on minimally invasive strategies. So we decided to focus the entire book on orthobiologic injectable approaches. And here you can find the most extensive, complete and balanced discussion on this fascinating field with an increasing growing number of applications, not only in the research setting, but also in the clinical practice. And so this book appeals to a broad readership, including orthopedic surgeons, sport physicians, physiatrists and regenerative medicine experts. With this book, we aimed at providing a comprehensive overview of the available treatments by adopting a clinically oriented approach with a balanced focus on injectable orthobiologics, presenting both potential and limitations. And this is 32 chapters based on the latest literature and the experience of 89 authors among the most important players in the field. And I take here the opportunity to thank all the experts who contributed to this project. Going a bit more into the book, we have three sections. The first section of this book is devoted to the formulations and rationale for the use of injectable orthobiologics where the second section reviews current treatment methods applied to specific joints and pathologies, as well as the results of these treatment approaches. The third section explores future perspectives, such as pluripotent stem cells, gene therapy, and the stimulation of intrinsic stromal cell niches. So in the following minutes, we are going to touch a few of the main topics of this book, taking advantage of the presence of some editors and authors here. So, I'd like to start involving George Mushler, an expert in reconstructive surgery for arthritis, failed joint replacement, treatment of fractures and limb deformities, and musculoskeletal oncology. He's recognized internationally as a leader in stem cell biology, tissue engineering, and regenerative medicine. He has led a series of interdisciplinary and interinstitutional programs, as well as committees in the Orthopedic Research Society, International Society for Cell and Gene Therapy and the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. So George, you authored the first two chapters with, with an incredible effort to be comprehensive and put order in a complex and evolving field. With the contribution of Anna Simons, Venkata Mantri Pragrada, and Nicola Spiuzzi, you even provided a really useful glossary of terms for this field. And I think this is one of the issues of the field, where often you hear talking about words like stem cells, while most of the time in the clinical practice, we don't really work with stem cells.
2: So what's your take on it? Yeah, so I mean, thank you very much. And thank you for all of the work that you've done in, in not only gathering us together as, as effective editorial team, but. In, in recruiting all of the, the outstanding leaders across the world that have contributed to this effort. Um, it's, it's so important in the process of, of advancing a new field to, to, um, to form the field around really uh, clear ideas and clear concepts and inevitably in a, in a field like this in cell, uh, cell and gene therapy and in orthobiologics, there are a lots of competing terms. There's a lots of ways ideas flow into the field. There's a lots of terms that that start being used and um, and uh, the meaning can change and evolve over time. Uh, and that creates opportunity to introduce new concepts but it also creates tremendous confusion because parts of the world will use one term and then other parts of the world will use another term. And, and so it was really necessary as part of congealing us together not only as a team on this book but helping to advance the field is to take an inventory of what those terms are that are being used, how they're being used and what the true definition of these terms should be and then you know as you point out for example the word stem cell is 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 one of those terms that is a very sexy term it's it, it tracks people's interest immediately uh, there are lots of ways in which the term stem cell has flowed into, Science, even a Nobel Prize in, in, uh, in 2011 to, to, uh, to, to uh, Dr. Nakamura for inventing a way to reprogram true stem cells. Um, but the term, unfortunately, it also is such an appealing term. And if you say that you're doing stem cell work research, you sound so cool. And if you say you're doing stem cell therapy, it sounds very exciting. And it's an effective way to attract people's attention, but it's not a very effective way to communicate because, in, in virtually all of the therapies that we're offering now, in, in, in PRP or in bone marrow aspirates, um, we're not truly using stem cells. Stem cells have a very specific definition. We may be using cells that, samples that contain stem cells, but in a bone marrow aspirate, for example, Um, We may concentrate cells, we may inject cells, there may be stem cells there in a bone marrow aspirate, but truly the stem cell is the least common cell of all the millions of cells we might be injecting in a bone marrow aspirate. And it's just important for us to think about the terms and remember it and think about the processing steps. And so we tried um, in in that first chapter or two to put together a set of terms that were clear and that, that we could ask authors to keep consistent throughout the book so that we were all um, singing from the same hymnal, so to speak, or, or speaking with one voice and sharing a common language. Uh, and in, in, in that way, uh, able to share and communicate ideas in a much more real and effective way.
1: Yeah. Well, I think uh, it was a really important effort and, and really helping to give clarity. And it definitely did that and I really invite uh, everybody to look at that chapter. It's going to help you a lot. And probably things are going to also, also evolve. There are so many treatments, as you said. And one thing I noticed uh, studying the literature is that when when I explore the preclinical literature on this topic, I, I see that most of the preclinical studies are on expanded cells. But then in the clinical practice, there are mainly concentrates that are gaining space. So uh, do you still think that expanded cells, cells have the best potential or where do you think the field is going?
2: Well, as a clinician, I I would just like something that works. And if it's possible on the day I'm seeing a patient to do some rapid processing method that allows me to use their blood or use their marrow or use their fat in a way that truly works and that solves their problem, I'm happy to use that. Uh, Even though it's not a purified population of cells, uh, even if the, if every time I go to a different patient, I'm getting a slightly different population of cells, if that method works, it's a therapy. And, and we've always done that. You know, when we use a skin graft, we're using the patient's own cells. When we transplant a kidney, we're using the patient's own cells. Um, when we try to heal a fracture, we're using the patient's own cells. So it's, not, it's nothing new that we have to deal with variation from patient to patient to patient. The challenge will be in some settings, the cells that the patient has, or the concentration that they're in, or the state that they're in may not be optimal. And in that setting, culture expansion and, 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 um, and perhaps purification or even engineering of cells may become effective, but it's an expensive, time-consuming, and at this point, relatively unproven method to get a better result. And so, so there will be stem cell therapies or, or uh, cell expansion uh, products or expanded cell products that will that will be be, be driven and be effective I'm sure at at uh, at solving specific problems um, but in the meantime we have what seem to be effective therapies if they're used in the right person in the right way that don't require purification that don't require expansion and so it's important for us to think about when we need to pull out, one toolbox and when we need to go to a more sophisticated toolbox. Yeah,
1: that's, that's really nice. It's, it's a nice vision, it's clear, it's serious, it's pragmatic. We also need to be pragmatic, we have patience. And so I really like this, the, the way you you laid, laid out all, everything uh, and the possibility of use different things. And this is something that uh, I really appreciate. And uh, also about that, um, you also did a second chapter and this was on bone marrow as a source of cells for musculoskeletal uh, cellular therapies. And so uh, this is one of the most used uh, uh, cell sources. And uh, do you have any tip on the best way to exploit their potential or, or about the preparation methods or are there patients or disease targets that you think they could benefit more?
2: No, well, I, you know, this is, in, in, and I'm I'm answering, I guess, both your first question and the second question at the same time, because one of the most important things that come with that first approach that I took with the pragmatic approach uh, of, of using the right composition of cells for the right reason, no one can guess what that right composition of cells is. Uh, we can only determine what that right composition of cells, either concentration or prevalence or or our purity is through uh, through purposeful experimentation, and it can start with animals. It can start in the lab, but ultimately it there has to be clinical assessments done by by people working with patients in real life, in honest ways, in 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 practical and very targeted um, uh, prospective trials. And one of the beautiful things about the book, and the whole middle section of the book, is not was sampling those ideas and those trials from experts around the world who have taken that approach. Um, And uh, and so it has to be driven by data because I can't predict what the perfect formulation is going to be. I can have a bunch of hypotheses, but until we have the clinical data and and the methods that allow us to control the variables that we think are important, um, then then I I don't know what the right answer is. and, And we don't know how to optimally inform our patients either.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, definitely is, is an intriguing area, uh, worthy of more space. Uh, and uh, in the book, you definitely can find uh, more uh, and and uh, have some fun uh, understanding uh, pros and cons and, and different indications. But time now is a bit running. So I'd like to introduce also the other editor here with us today, who strongly supported this project, Norimasa Nakamura. He's a professor at the Institute for Medical Science in Sports at Osaka Health Science University and the Global Center for the Medical Engineering and Informatics at Osaka University. He's also an orthopedic surgeon at the Osaka University Hospital, specializing in arthroscopic surgery and sports medicine. His research focuses on joint tissue repair, particularly the regeneration of cartilage, ligament, and meniscus about meniscus. In this book, you wrote with Kazunori Shimomura and David Hart, a nice chapter on cell therapy for meniscal lesions. What options do we have there?
0: Yes, thank you, uh, Giuseppe. First of all, I'd like to appreciate your hard working uh, for organizing such a wonderful book. And uh, yes, uh, in this chapter, uh, we focused on the effect of the stem uh, cell-based therapy, cell-based therapy uh, for meniscal lesions. And uh, uh, we'd like to summarize the content of this chapter as follows. Uh, First, uh, interarticular injection of culture-expanded MSCs for the treatment of meniscal lesions has shown Improvement in clinical outcomes and some potential for meniscal regeneration, although the evidence is currently limited. Uh, the, the number of the very uh, high-quality control study uh, is still uh, limited. But uh, in terms of the safety, uh, there have been uh, generally uh, the you know no uh, you know critical safety concerns identified or side effect reported uh, in the clinical studies. As mechanism of actions, recent works has shown that MSCs promoted the regeneration of joint components through their secretory activities of anti-inflammatory factors and trophic factors. As for the choice of cells, MSCs derived from bone marrow, fat, and synovium are uh, currently favored due to the ease of the harvest and their chondrogenic capacities. To uh, repair and/or regenerate injured menisci and uh, prevent the progression of osteoarthritis, additional studies, are of course, needed. And careful follow-up uh, will be necessary to draw conclusions. Patient you know, complaint are uh, very complex. And uh, we'd like to uh, understand how the, you know, control of the intra-articular environment, environment can really contribute uh, to the, you know, relief of the patient uh, complaint. And uh, probably as, as I mentioned later, uh, we would uh, need to uh, develop, the, you know, multi-disciplinary, you know, strategy uh, for the treatment prevention of the osteoarthritis. Thank you.
1: Uh, thank you. I like how you, you mentioned different aspects. Uh, we can uh, investigate the mechanism of action. We can see something in the preclinical setting and that gives us some indication, but we have also to admit when there are not enough clinical data. This is also important and has to steer our research uh, forward. But you also authored uh, another uh, chapter with Tiago Lazzaretti-Fernandez, Kazunori Shimomura, uh, David Hart, and Angelo Boffa. Uh, that is on the one of the main applications of orthobiologics, so probably something more here uh, to talk about uh, clinical data, right? Cell therapy for the treatment of cartilage lesions and osteoarthritis. So what do you think is the evidence here?
0: Okay, thank you. Uh, cell-based thr- strategies can diminish the catabolic inflammatory microenvironment and shift it toward a more anabolic, pro environment by uh effect of their secretory, you know, factors, such as growth factors, cytokines, and uh, exocereal vesicles. Results of the preclinical studies provided preliminary evidence on the safety of autologous or uh, allogenic you know, MSCs, either expanded or concentrated, injected for the treatment of osteoarthritis. Preliminary clinical evidences supports the beneficial outcome of MSC intraarticular injections, regarding pain control and function for the patients with osteoarthritis from baseline up to uh, 24 months, two years, preventing or limiting progression of osteoarthritis at an early stage. But uh, future, uh, future studies, uh, further studies are needed to invest on the standardization with rigorous characterization of, and demonstration of the cell populations being injected, this is a summary of this. Yeah, that's
1: that's a good summary. And now I ask you something uh, about what you think uh, the future could be, where where the field is going, uh, starting from this actual
0: situation. I see. Uh, of course. Uh, so, in addition to the issues I raised, uh, you know, at present. Uh, I believe osteoarthritis is multifactorial pathology. So the ideal treatment for the osteoarthritis should be complex of various interventions, including biotherapy, surgery, pain pain control, and rehabilitation, reflected by mechanisms of joint pathology. So uh, we need to develop the evidence of such, you know, combination therapy for joint preservation i believe this should be the next step
1: well interesting definitely intriguing uh, there is, i believe there is a lot of potential in in this uh, uh, more complex approach uh, of course we have to study more uh, so, for, so yes we, we see so. we see in the future um, about the future uh, while the podcast is close to the end i still like to do another round of quick questions to you and so the first one is to george um, on what orthobiologic topic are you going to work more in the next years?
2: Well, we we have um, not one but three probably. Um, the the first is in our in our um, at the Cleveland Clinic and our and uh, our joint preservation center. We are very strongly invested in trying to contribute to new data in this area and particularly understanding not only which patients have the opportunity to do better with these therapies, but also which patients are just destined to fail, and that we shouldn't trouble with the potentially false promise that we can make them better with injection therapies. And so we're doing that through a prospective registry where every patient that we see who is offered one of these therapies is followed. And then we have three prospective trials. Nicholas Busey is leading one, Leonardo Oliveira is leading another, and Alan Davis is leading another to try to answer these questions about in how much better can we make patients and in whom do we fail? And should we, we there's no way to improve your data better than by stopping doing things that are ineffective. Um, yeah. Second, yeah, the second. Second. It's in our in our lab, and the contributions we're trying to make in our lab are improving ways that we can measure the quality and the characteristics of the cells that you and I own from our native tissues. And so uh, I'm not nearly as sophisticated as, as, as Nori is in being able to offer clinical expansion strategies, but I can help contribute to Nori and offer him information about what cells he would find most effective in putting into his Robust uh, fabrication system uh, so that he's not expanding the wrong cell. Um, and then uh, the last thing we're trying to do is automate that process. Uh, uh, you know, Dr. Nakamura has a very robust system of skilled technicians and a laboratory space filled with people who can culture expand cells by hand and do that in a very rigorous way. Uh, but every technician is a little different. Uh, and uh, every time we're going to run a batch when humans are involved, it can be a little different, and so working, we're working on a system for automation, a robotic automation of taking the process of cell culture and cell expansion out of people's hands and putting it into a much more reproducible environment.
1: Well, th- thank you. Really, really interesting. Thank you so much. And uh, back to Nori, uh, you are being mentioned it here, so the question to you now On what orthobiologic topic are you going to work more in the next years?
0: Thank you. Uh, For the coming years, uh, I'd like to focus more on the development of the cell-free regenerative medicine uh, strategies using uh, uh, extracellular vesicles, exosomes. Uh, Currently, the standardization of the exosome is not well established, so uh, standardization. This is the first uh, point. And second point, uh, you know, we do need to uh, develop the ideal, you know, artificial media uh, for the, you know, uh, purification of the exosomes because uh, most of the even though even the chemically defined media contains several particles and uh, we confirmed that uh, such contamination might affect the you know, efficacy and uh, safety of the product. Mm-hmm. So, and finally, uh, the mechanisms of the you know, exosome mediated therapy is still unclear. So uh, uh, with the aid of the artificial intelligence, so like uh, by the dry assays, uh, we'd like to identify uh, the potential mechanisms mechanisms involved in the exosome-mediated uh, you know, therapy. Thank you. Oh, wow, I, I can really, can't really
1: can really wait to see the results of all of your researches and, uh, and uh, hopefully also to apply. <laughs> I, I like to apply that too and to study as well. Really, really, really interesting. And uh, do you want to know more about this exciting field? Well, in this book, there are many more topics, different uh, orthobiologics, different targets, controversial aspects like placebo, really interesting too, as well as exciting chapters on future applications, on stem cells, gene therapy, and as you heard, exosomes and many others. All topics have been developed to provide an expert-based description of the potential, limits, and indications of the emerging regenerative approaches, which can guide you in this rapidly evolving field. So thanks again to Bert Mandelbaum. George Mushler, Scott Rodeo, and Norimasa Nakamura. Thanks to Isaacos, ISRS, and Springer. And thank you listeners for joining us in this podcast on the Orthobiologics book, Injectable Therapies for the Musculoskeletal System.